Hi, this is Buzz Dixon, and you're listening to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Yo, Joe! Determined to rule the world. Welcome to G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast, episode number 37. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Brotherhead Moss, and joining me, I have Kevin, the Raider Nerd. Hey, Kevin, thanks for joining us, man. Glad to be back on the show. Sorry I've missed your uh, last few shows, um, but I've been living vicariously through you guys if I listen to the episodes and yelling back at the podcast thinking I should have said that, but I wasn't there to say that. So, boo on me. Well, you know, you're here now, though. That's the <laughs> And also joining us is uh, Brad Abraham. hi A.K.A. Jared Version 2.0. Mommy and Daddy are making a better version of you. Hey, Brad. How you doing, man? I'm good, although I think today I should just be Jared 1.0, since Jared uh, did not deem to bless us with his presence. Oh, sick burn. Sick burn. <laughs> Maybe I'm already. He just doesn't know it yet. No. <laughs> Let's wait and see. No. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you guys could join me today and talk about a little G.I. Joe. Hope one of you guys has followed in Jared's footsteps and not read the book. Um, <laughs> we like to use real comics when we do our uh, yeah. our podcasts. 
There you go. And uh, well, again, I'm sure that uh, Brad probably didn't read this issue. Uh, you know, <laughs> we talked last time. This is one another one of his favorite characters. Oh, I took I took special pleasure in 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 revisiting this issue, and I will hold my comments until I'm properly asked for them. So let's get into it. This is GI Joe issue thirty-seven. The title of this was called Twin Brothers. The cover date was July of nineteen eighty-five. The on sale date April the ninth of nineteen eighty-five. The cover price was seventy-five cents. The writer, as normal, Larry Hama, penciler Frank Springer, inker Andy Mushiski. Letterer Rick L. Parker, colorist George Russo's, editor was Dennis O'Neill. The cover credits was by Mike Zek and John Beatty. Oh, hold on, hold on, you got to say it right. Zek, 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 Zek. <laughs> and we don't have Jared here to name drop any of them. So exactly, yeah, you know how he went out and went in sex limousine and they partied out and you know went to stripper poles and stuff like that. We miss those stories. And uh, this was reprinted in G.I. Joe Volume 4, Trade Paperback. So the synopsis for this one. A ripcord, blowtorch, gung-ho, and candy, who is in her bongo bear suit, arrive at the Arbigo Brothers Circus and are spotted by Tomax and Zamon. The twin Crimson Guard commanders call Destro for support in capturing the Joes, but the request is denied. Therefore, the twin Cobra agents send dozens of Crimson, crimson Guards in three-piece into a hall of mirrors with orders to kill ripcord, but he escapes with Bongo by hiding behind mirrors, making a dash for the big top. Wild Bill, Footloose, and Flint arrive at the circus on a dragonfly, and after Flint jumps off the armadillo and attacks Zaymont, who is on top of the roller coaster loop, Footloose cuts the armadillo's line and drives towards the roller coaster to secure the area. Flint lands enough punches to Zaymont's face to knock the Cobra agent down, but remains standing while telepathically yelling for his brother's help. Tomax leaves the big top and races to help his brother. Gung-Ho and Blowtorch beat up some Cobra agents at the roller coaster, and Footloose plays chicken with Tomax, before the Crimson Guard commander turns, drives up a ramp, and throws a ring of fire in the circus. Flint then watches Tomax catch Zaymont while racing through the roller coaster's loop on his Cobra ferret. Wild Bill chases the Crimson Guard commanders, but they evade the Joe's missiles by entering a large drainage pipe. So that is the synopsis for this issue. Let's go and get some thoughts as we normally do. We will start with the cover. So the cover of this one shows we get the helicopter above dropping off the uh, the armadillo. We have Flint leaping off the armadillo toward Tomax. Or is that Zamot? One of the twin brothers. Zamot. He was on top of the roller coaster. Uh, leaping towards Zamot. Zamot's got his gun ready to fire at our Joe. Let's get some thoughts on this. Uh, let's go ahead and start with, let's go start with Brad. <laughs> Where I was starting. I heard the sigh. The sigh was quite audible there. Uh, okay. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be brief here. Um, you know, I like, I like the cover. I like the colors. I like the action. Uh, I like that we have three new characters and a new vehicle making their debut on the cover, which is always a good sign that what's inside will have a lot of action. This one, I think, got a TV commercial for the comic as well, which I remember because of those debuts, they were ad, able to kind of repurpose the animation for the toy commercial for Flint and the Armadillo and the the twins, the Glimmer twins, I mean, the Cobra twins. Um, that said, I don't know if it's exactly what I would call an all-timer, uh, like an all-time classic cover, but then again, not every cover really needs to be for the ages. 
So uh, it certainly promises uh, action inside and it delivers on that. And in this case, it's one of those rare instances where they actually depict a scene from the comic on the book as it kind of more or less plays out. Sometimes they would just have something on that would be more representative of what you're going to see inside. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll put that in the bonus category as well. And Kevin, you have any thoughts on this cover? I was trying to remember back when I first saw this and wondering, first of all, who are all these guys? You know, we see someone that looks kind of cobra you know, we see some guys that look kind of G.I. Joey, you know, but we're like, eh, it doesn't look like Duke and it doesn't quite look like Dusty. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, uh, it was very, it, it definitely catches your eye, you know, especially when they're like, you know, on something like Coney Island, you know, roller coaster and stuff like that. And the closest wooden roller coaster I had in my neck of the woods was at magic mountain, the Colossus, I think it was, it was called there. Uh, sometimes they would run it backwards. Uh, but, uh, it, it was, it was cool to see someone, you know, jumping onto a, uh, and having a battle on top of a roller coaster. And that was one thing that, that stood in my mind. But uh, I remember being curious, like, who the heck are these guys? What's going on here? And, uh, the, uh, the machine gun that, uh, one of the uh, twin brothers here, have we, have we decided, is that, is, it T- is that Tomax? I believe it's Zaymont because he's Zaymont. Um, just kind of reminded me of the uh, the German uh, MSG or MG. What's it called? The German um, uh, machine gun that the, a lot of the uh, German officers would carry and such. Yeah, I was you know I was always looking at uh, the type of gun that uh, as we find out is Flint's carrying. Looks like he's got your standard M16 there, and uh, wondering what kind of like small tank that was as well. But uh, as we know now, it's the armadillo. We got Footloose and uh, um, uh, Flint uh, jumping at uh, the twin there. And uh, yeah, pretty cool cover. And yes, I, I enjoyed this cover also. Uh, like uh, Brad said, it's not top five. It's not one of the top covers you think of. But I think I remember seeing the commercial. And yeah, I played the commercial at the end of the last episode for this issue. So, and like I said, yeah, we got uh, this unknown Cobra here at the top. Like I said, I had started reading the idea before I got to this issue. I mean, I read, I started, like, say, in the 50s, and I came back and picked up these issues later. So I already knew who most of these characters were already by this point. But yeah, coming fresh off the stand, brand new characters, I'm sure it's very much like, that's where these guys, I'm like, we don't get a shot of Flint's face, we just get a shot of his backside. Um, but yeah, it's, I like this cover personally. So let's go and get some numbers on this. Let's go and start with uh, uh, Kevin. Let's go and start with you this time. Ready to give this one to five Yojo colors. I, you know, it's not a great cover, but it's not a bad cover. Um, no half points, right? I, I don't mind doing halves. That's okay. Um, then I'm just gonna. G- I'll I'll push it towards a three. Then I'll give it that. I probably would if I done half. I'd probably give it a two and a half. But I'll, I'll just say a good solid three. And Brad. Um. Three. I'll give it a three. And, and that's not rounding up. I think it's it, it does its job. It draws your attention. I remember walking into my local convenience store and seeing it on the rack. Um, so, yeah, I think a three. It's not the greatest cover. It's not terrible either. And I'll go slightly better than you guys. I'll give it a three and a half. I think it's a half mainly because, like Brad was saying earlier, this is actually a scene that, that's depicted in the comic. So, 
that's always an extra bonus. So not, not bad, not a bad cover. I was going to get some thoughts on the actual interior of the issue. Uh, let's go and start with Kevin this time. We'll, we'll put the bad off for a little bit. <laughs> I get some Brad eyeballing me like, hmm, you want to hear? <laughs> Kevin, what are your thoughts on this issue? Uh, overall, enjoyable. I love the fact that we get uh, the introduction of uh, some new Joes and, of course, uh, Cobras as well. Uh, first appearance of Tomax and Zaymont, Flint and uh, Footloose. Uh, of course, the G.I. Joe, uh, is it Armadillo mini tank? Is that what it is? And the Cobra Ferret four-wheeler, uh, which I remember owning myself, and I think I might still have somewhere. Um, and this uh, is the continuance of the, the candy uh, arc, I remember, too, because I remember how it ends <laughs> very well. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, I was just kind of wondering at the time where they were kind of going with that. And uh, um, But one of the things I was trying to figure out here is the first opening uh, page, uh, the, the title page, it says Twin Brothers. And it shows the, the van with, uh, you know, Bongo and, and stuff. And you look back to see, it says Arbco's Brothers Circus. And you look at the other attractions. One says Wild Woman, Elephant Lady, Jojo something, and Madame Nemo. Very interesting sideshows. I'm wondering what that stuff is. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, yeah, you get, uh, you get, I mean, it, it's, it feels more like a bridge issue, if that makes sense, to where it kind of is continuing the story while introducing new characters and, of course, uh, Flint being Flint. Um, and, uh, and show you know he's, shown, he's a little full of himself and such, but uh, this is interesting because when you first read this, when you read the um, uh, the dialogue boxes or bubbles, when the 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 twins are talking to each other and they're they're kind of outlined in that wobbly red thing, and then you realize oh that's because they're they can they're kind of telepathic between each other and that's one of the skills or, or whatever it is that they have that you know they don't need a walkie-talkie or in your in-ear communication they can always hear each other and of course feel each other <laughs> uh and stuff so but uh you know it's 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 a fun issue i love the fact that uh when footloose shows up and um you know i love the fact that he's uh um what is it wild uh wild bills uh you know being kind of gruff with, gruff with him and says, Footloose, eh? You're a new bullet stopper. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was an interesting little fight, of course, on the uh, roller coaster. And, uh, you know, there's it, it kind of reminds me of certain movies that kind of take advantage of filming on roller coasters. And um, one of my favorites was, was uh, Shakedown. I don't know if you guys remember that movie from, uh, I think, 88 to 89. With yeah. Peter Weller and uh, Sam, what's his name? Um, Elliot. Sam Elliot. Thank you. Thank you for knowing what movie that is, Brad. That's by a the great way. movie. Yes, uh, very underrated action film from the late '80s. That also uh, a great action scene takes place on um, a roller coaster as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, and Brad, let's have it. Okay. All right. All right. Seriously, though. Okay. I'm going to have to begin this with a bit of a disclaimer because uh, ever since issue 25, I've maintained that Zartan and his Dreadnoughts were my least 
favorite Cobra adjacent antagonists. Oh, is that changing now? That changes with this issue. Uh, with the arrival of the Crimson Twins, Toe Jam and Xanax. I mean, I mean, Tomax and Zamot. Um, now, I get what Hasbro and Larry were going, going for here, okay? Because the Corsican Brothers is a somewhat famous Alexander Dumas novel, which has been adapted many times for film, but us 70s and 80s kids would probably best remember as the basis for the Cheech and Chong movie of the same name. Um, and the whole twins who experience each other's pain and distress is taken from that. So if like me, you think that toe jam and Xanax, I mean, Tomax and Zamot are a bridge layer too far for GI Joe. You kind of have to think and, or blame Alexander Dumas for that. But that all being said, I do tolerate them because I think even Larry recognized that they had a limited shelf appeal. So while they do remain and continue to be active, players in the real American hero universe. They never really get the full on origin and backstory that Zartan and Destro and the Baroness do. But I will add that you, and you saw this on their file card, the toy, that idea that their secondary specialty was, I guess, as bankers or accountants, which seems kind of like a one-off gag, but it actually turned them around and made them a lot more interesting in the sort of the revitalization of Joe in comics in the last 10, 15 years or so, where they were treated in devil's due series in the, the, the chuckles miniseries, the last laugh as these sinister sort of sinister terrorist bankers, which uh, is, is really interesting how they kind of became one of the better elements of the recent uh, comics, but that's all in the future as far as where we are in this comic. And I'll go on to the issue. And one of the things I noticed here for the first time reading it this morning, and I know this is a, a topic of some debate over the last few uh, episodes of the podcast, is we had the big reveal of Billy being Cobra Commander's dad in, or son, sorry, in, in issue 33. And then we had three filler fill in one shot issues but if you look at page three of this issue panel number two um and candy kind of gives a little recap you know you guys are helping me because you owe me for taking off with my van in a wild chase and down in the bottom there's a little box from the editor denny o'neill it says last issue so chronologically it could be argued that this issue takes place immediately after issue 33 which would kind of make this issue 34 mm-hmm. not not shakedown not the movie the comic the issue 34 which wasn't that is. something you guys last episode you guys did uh talk about that they probably needed more time on something and they shoved that other episode the other issue in yeah i think that was what we sort of surmised well it was that was kind of fun because it was like the three or four of us just sort of forensically taking the issue apart, figuring out which parts were were uh, were Larry uh, inking and uh, and penciling, and which ones were the other teams. Because the three different storylines in issue thirty six had looked like they had different art teams on them. Um, the best I can tell is I think that's probably the case. It may have just been this team was behind on something. But I think what may be a little more accurate, which gets to another observation I had, is I'm wondering if the reason for the delay was they were still waiting for final versions of what Tomax and Zamot looked like. Because if you look at page, page, flipping through, in the uh, Funhouse, 
the, the House of Mirrors scene on page 11 when the Crimson Guardsmen uh, unveil themselves. Uh, they, they all look like his tank drivers. They don't look like Crimson Guardsmen. <laughs> and if you backtrack to issue 33, or not 33, it was the, one of the previous issues when they introduced the concept of the Crimson Guard and the, the first Fred series agent comes out and his uniform doesn't quite look like the final version of the Crimson Guard either. So I'm wondering if maybe because they were still waiting on clearances from Hasbro for what these guys were going to look like, they kind of had to delay it as much as they could, as much as they could, as much as they could. And then they just had to say, okay, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta make a decision. So they just went with the best, best bet. So that's, that's my, my little theory about this one was it would may have just been waiting for clearances from Hasbro to, uh, to, to sort of lock these things, even though they, they changed the appearance of things in GI Joe all the time. But uh, I guess they wanted them to look more or less what you would see in the, in the toy stores. I, I got a question for you guys. Footloose. Do we see him again? I don't think we do. I do not think we do, which is Aaron? kind of, Oh, we can't hear Aaron. Aaron's muted. Try that again. I muted myself. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't recall that we do. He, he kind of shows up, and then, and then maybe he's not one of Larry's favorites. Yeah, I don't think we see very much of him if we do again. I, I, I think what happened to him is he moved to the Midwest and he taught the kids how to dance. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I was wondering what his deal was. So, whenever you want to learn about a Joe, what do you do? You go look at the toys file card. Okay. Right. And it's funny because they sell individual file cards on eBay and you can kind of tell how popular the character is by the price that they're charging for the file card. Wow. Footloose's is only five bucks where like Airborne's like nine, ten bucks. Yeah. So I'm looking at him here and he's born in Gary, Indiana. His name is Andrew Myers. Myers was a valedictorian of his high school class, captain of the track team and Eagle Scout. He was going for his degree in phys ed on a state scholarship when he suddenly dropped out, moved to the coast and became quite weird for about three years he was standing on the boardwalk in venice pondering something cosmic when the utter pointlessness of his existence hit him between the eyes like a runaway freight train quote i'll think i'll join the army he said and promptly did took basic and ait in fort benning graduated jump school and desert training unit qualified expert in all nato and warsaw pack small arms and then there's like a little quote at the bottom some of the Joes think that Footloose is out there, but all he's trying to do is find himself. He's the all-American boy who gets lost on the way to the fair, and he's simply trying to go home any which way he can. Most folks think they know us. Most folks think they know who they are and and where they're going. They're the dangerous ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just inadvertently answered what happens to Footloose while we can see him after this issue. He just wandered off. He just decided, oh, I guess I'm not in the army anymore. And he just if walk he's in the trying earth, to go like, home, if, if he's trying to go home any which way he can, does he go butt loose and with an orangutan? That's the only way you can. <laughs> anyway, that is uh, that's Footloose. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I would like to interject and just say that he's not he doesn't really register as much of a character in this. He's kind of a bit of a nebbish. He, he, he sort of throws down and helps out the, the other Joes and 
becomes a valuable member of the team. But uh, I think he yeah. might have been a G.I. Joe casualty in my Cobra G.I. Joe figure wars. I'm just saying <laughs> he was. The, he, that's what I was going to say. As far as action figures go, he was actually, I think, one of the highlights of this particular year because we we hadn't had any just straight up infantry characters he, joining. The, the thing that's a good thing. The one thing I will say good about his figure was that he looked like a normal like soldier. You know, which I always thought was kind of cool when they when you would throw out the Joes that didn't have all these flamboyant looking accessories. They look like a soldier you can throw in a certain situation or something like that. Yeah, like he he was he would have been a good troop builder if you were going in that way. But just the aesthetic of the figure, he actually looked pretty cool. He was one of my favorite ones of that period. Well, while but, we were talking, I was looking it up, and according to Wikipedia, how racket that is, it appears in issue thirty seven. Uh, 38, and then he again is part of the invasion in issues 49 and 50. Did Saw Viper take him out later on? <laughs> in the Marvel comics, uh-huh. there was no mention after the Battle of Springfield. Okay. <laughs> That's where he wandered off. Saw Viper taking him out. He's he's probably reappeared in the the relaunch the when Larry took over and brought things back in uh, the real American hero. Just I know they've done a few big epic battle right issues, and I think in in one of the recent ones, I think in the Snake Hunt storyline, it was all ballyhooed that every active and living Joe character was brought in at some point like there's a whole roster roll call of all of them and i'm sure he was in there somewhere so you know he's just he's just not flashy enough he's he's foot loose but he's not flashy so he's he's, he doesn't get a lot of attention but loose but not fancy free i'm reading that series i don't recall him showing up but it may have been like in a crowd scene or yeah i think it was something like that so which again tells me that he may not be try that again he may not be one of larry's favorite characters so (laughs) Yeah. Other thoughts there, Kevin? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're... Give me the thoughts on other thoughts on this issue. Well, you know, I think I think Kevin is struggling to 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 disagree with me because he knows deep down that Tomax and Zaymon aren't the high point of the series either. But I, I really think... like their figures, though. I got to tell you, I yeah. love their figures. And I'll okay. You know how we kind of in the past when we do the show. We feel that overall the uh, G.I. Joe and Cobra characters are represented better in the comic. Well, I think Tomax and Zaymont are represented better in the cartoon than they are in the comic. <laughs> is that is that fair? That's fair. That's fair. They're all over the comic, too. I think they just are on the comic, the TV show. I think I think some characters just work better on the TV show than in the comic. Okay, it's, so I'm not alone in thinking that. You're not okay. alone. Well, you, you, even, if, even if you look at uh, Snake Eyes, who's arguably the most popular G.I. Joe character ever. Um, it was always in the comic more so than the, the cartoon because on the cartoon, he doesn't speak. So there's, there's limits to what you can, right. you can do with him. So he never, he always seemed like Duke and Flint were the real, the, the real showy characters and Scarlet were the ones who got the more, the more, more story time on the cartoon. Whereas in the comic, it was more snake eyes. Yeah. And I always thought the figures were just really cool looking. I think they did a great job sculpting those and making them stuff. But I, I think they, sh- I think they shined more throughout the cartoons. No, I would agree. I would agree. And I think overall this issue is a fine issue in that it starts answering some questions and it hit hints at a larger plot 
happening. And especially after that interminable wait of three whole months between the, uh, the Billy reveal in 33 and then picking the story up here, it felt like you're finally moving forward where the pre- previous three issues, while good issues, it was like every month would go by and you're like, well, what's going on with Billy? So, and I think the next six or so issues are really sort of stay on this track. It's like, we've kind of had some diversions for the last little bit and now we're getting back into the main story and we stick with it for a while, which is, uh, appreciated. So again, kind of like if, if I was reading the whole issue on a one to five Yojo scale, I'd probably give it a three as well. Not, not the greatest of all issues, but certainly it's got, has, it's got its moments. I'm with you there. I'd give it about a three too. And yeah, I agree with you guys. Yeah. It's about, a th- I'd say it's about a three. I do like uh, the twins better than, than you guys do. And then maybe like Kevin and Mages be coming from the cartoon and their, their action figures. That's really cool. You know, I, I kind of do like the, the the mind show they have. Are we going to say something there, Kevin? Yeah, I think Brad brought up a good point. I think if they had a more flushed out backstory, the concept, I'm fine with them having the telepathic thing and all that kind of stuff. And their weaknesses, if you punch one, you punch the other, which is great. But I, I think that if they had a more flushed out background, um, I, I think they, you know, I, like I love the look of them, um, but I think they would have been nice, you know. And and I remember I asked a question on one of the cartoons a, a while ago. Like, do you? I, and I actually I really like the the banker version of them, you know, when they're dressed up in their business suits and stuff like that. I think that looks cool as well. But I, if they were just flushed out a little bit more, I think uh, um, they would have been even cooler. Um, I do like say there's one scene on page seven where uh, off to talk to his brother. He's like. I can see that for myself, Zaymont. You think you have your eyes closed? Just showing that they, they have that link where they can see through each other's eyes. And that may be one reason why Larry didn't use them very much in the comics, because, again, Larry tried to, tried to keep things a little more grounded. I mean, he didn't use Cobra Law and a lot more of the silly elements. Silly? Or silly elements he didn't really... He kind of stayed away from as much as he could. So that, that may be one reason why... They didn't get much backstory and much to do in the comic, whereas in the cartoon, they, they leaned into the silliness. So that, that's my thoughts on, on why. Yeah, they get kind of a short shift here. And yeah, like uh, Kevin was saying, it very much, I think, would have helped them out quite a bit to, if they would have had more of a backstory, more of an origin where they're coming from. Um, and it was Brad had mentioned about the, the Crimson Guards uniform. Crimson Guard uh, uniform not looking quite right. I uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Kevin's suggestion. I posted on the Facebook group that we're doing this show. Yeah, did, didn't one of your uh, posters mention the same thing? So there were two comments. One was uh, from Clinton Robinson on the cover. He said, "Only why? Only why? Only one twin? Also, why much? Why so much Flint booty?" <laughs> why do we see Flint's butt? <laughs> if, if you have one twin, well, you don't need the second one. They're almost just alike, so that's why we one on there. And Flint's booty. Well, the girl need the girl readers needs to have some look at too. That's my non official answers to that. I don't know if you guys have a better answer than that, but that's that's my thoughts. <laughs> uh, but then uh, Hoover Jeremiah, uh, buddy, who does the Transform- Transformers show. Uh, he said that he was bummed out by the debut of the Crimson Gar- uh, Guard, that they didn't draw him right. And he mentioned much like, I think it was Br- uh, Brad, that he looked like his drivers. 
And I came back to them, well, this wasn't actually the review, if I'm not mistaken. They introduced a few earlier at the big rally. And yeah, he's, oh yeah, you were right. They were drawn wrong there also. And so I, I think what you guys were saying that they probably just were waiting for final approval of the toy. They hadn't got everything completed yet, but they needed to get something out. And they knew they were coming, but yeah, they're like, well, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe this may have been an early design possibly too. And before it came out, they've changed it maybe. You have a thought there, Kevin? Yeah, I, I guess the crimson, the crimson guard type of thing. I, I like the fact that they're all kind of undercover as these businessmen that all dress alike, you know, with the um, briefcases and stuff like that. I would love to see more of those in toys. I think would have been really cool. I always thought that, I like that kind of idea, and then they uh, and then strip them off, and then then they're uh, the, the crimson guards, the CGs. Is that what we call them? The CGs? Yeah, for short, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like the, Crim- the Crimson Guards and the CGs. I like their, their look. And I think, look, yeah, what we ended up with looks a lot better than the Hiss Viper we have in this issue. <laughs> this issue, but yeah, it was, that was another cool play I liked. It was like the Crimson Guards. Yeah, they're right below the Viper for me. But yeah, this was a good issue. Like, it wasn't top of the line. There was some action, but as we'll get to in a little bit, there's not a lot of great action scenes, in my opinion. But yeah, it was a good issue where we don't get completely in it. In fact, we won't get much ever. But, <laughs> but yeah, this was it's what it was. It was a decent issue. It was new toys. And that may have been one of the big things about this issue. Is that, you know, it's a way to introduce, you know, we got what? Four new figures plus a couple of yeah. so just, you know, Larry's got to get the stuff introduced. So here it is. <laughs> Yeah, and they finally introduced Flint, which uh, is interesting because if you were around at the time, uh, Flint made his debut in the cartoon in the Pyramid of Darkness miniseries, which aired in September of 84. And this is April of 85, I think. So it was a delay. We all knew who Flint was from the cartoons. And and we know that the Pyramid of Darkness um, miniseries is far superior than any other miniseries that there was. I heard you guys mentioning that last episode, and there was many reasons why it appeared in Darkness is, is most epic. Well, it has the most epic vehicle ever, which is, of course, the hovercraft, which, as this we is all know, is the, is the best of the G.I. Joe vehicles. But And the best team-up of all time with Snake Eyes and uh, uh, Shipwreck with their, their animals, and then you get... Uh, Break dancing snake eyes. I mean, come on. Yeah. How good is that? And don't forget Roadblock and Hondaloo. So <laughs> it was it was a magical time. But again, that that I think that's the area that the the, the comic kind of had to walk that line when the cartoon was on because it was easy to throw the characters up under the cartoon and uh, and have them be present. But you sometimes be waiting a while for them to show up in the comic. Yeah. Now, Brad, you're reading straight from the actual comic itself, correct? Like I am? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, I just want to mention, too, we like to look at the ads. And I did mm-hmm. want to mention one ad is that um, I, I the only comic I was really reading at this time was G.I. Joe. Then I kind of started latching on to other comics. But uh, if you are watching the current um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier um, you know, series on Disney+, Plus. There is uh, also has been mentioned that they are doing the Secret Wars 
and um, Amelia Clark, who was in, of course, uh, Queen of the Dragons in uh, Game of Thrones, has been cast in that series or movie. They haven't announced what it's going to be. But uh, on page uh, seven, there's a great uh, ad for Secret Wars 2, guest starring Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Power Man, and Iron Fist. The action starts here and continues through Fantastic Four, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, The Web of Spider-Man. One in a nine-issue limited series. I remember reading that limited series, and I remember reading a lot of the uh, the uh, issues that they continued the story in. And I remember also about ten years ago being in Midtown Comics in Manhattan, and there was a hardcover collected edition of Secret Wars two and every other comic that it was spun off into. Oh wow! Was, the thing was massive. <laughs> I I could barely lift it, and I didn't even look at the price because I knew it was going to be more than I was going to be willing to pay. <laughs> well, does anyone have any thoughts about this issue? <sighs> I would like to mention something in post box, the pit. Go for it. So I asked you earlier. Um, so a lot of people here are all referring to that famous issue 33, Brad with uh, Billy's son um, trying to assassinate what we find out is his father, Cobra commander. And everyone is referring to it. So this is what four or five issues later, and this is what they're uh, posting the, the pit here. And uh, one uh, reader writes in Chris Murphy from uh, Quiltman, Georgia says GI Joe number three knocked me off my feet. The art was superb. The second I opened up the issue, I noticed the type of paper it was printed on and I loved it. I'm also glad to see that the new pit has been completed. I have a few questions. One, why did the Baroness faint since uh, since it states on her file that she knows Destro's identity. Two, are you going to start printing G.I. Joe on this type of paper? Three, does General Ironbutt mean that Breaker, Zap, Grunt, Short Fuse, Stalker, Flash, Scarlet, Rock and Roll will not be fighting anymore? Well, give my best to Hawk, Chris. And then they reply saying, thanks for noticing the new paper. We're also using a new printing technique called Flexograph. If you like it now, you wait till you see the results when we become more familiar with it. As for the Baroness, could it be that Destro's appearance has changed or even his identity? Old Iron Butt might have said that the Joes will have desk jobs, but did he mean they wouldn't fight again? Hard to believe, Chris. Hard to believe. So Flexograft, I guess it was a new type of uh, printing process they were using, Aaron? I'm gathering, yeah. If only I could ask some artists that might know what that is but oh jared you're not here oh well i have an artist on the show to do that well remember next maybe next month we can ask him or maybe he'll, he'll hear this in time and or while we're talking maybe i can reach out magically and reach him somehow and and find out but anyways and you know i'm probably brad do you have any other thoughts on this issue before we move on uh, I have no other thoughts on this issue before we move on, other than the fact that uh, it has an ad in the front for Reese's Pieces uh, featuring a weird little alien character that is clearly meant to be a ripoff or a riff on E.T., uh, which tells me that the uh, licensing deal between Universal Studios, Amblin Entertainment, and Reese's had ended by that point, but they wanted to continue <laughs> the, uh, the association with uh, creepy-looking otherworldly creatures. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our next segment here where we uh, have a real American hero. 
the real American hero. This is the Joe or Cobra that did something either outstanding or deserves special recognition from our team. Let's go ahead and start with Kevin. You have a real American hero? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Candy the Bongo because uh, she knows when she sees trouble in a man and dumps him right away. That's what I'm going with right there. Uh, well, she stayed dumped. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> any, any uh, real American heroes for this issue? I'm going to actually, adjacent to what Kevin said, I'm going to say Ripcord because of all the characters in this issue and even through this whole storyline, he actually contains, has something of an arc to him. He actually goes through a bit of an emotional ringer, a bit of a roller coaster, and he almost becomes a main character for uh, a, a good chunk of the next year or so. And I've, I've maintained before that of all my G.I. Joe action figures, that Ripcord remains my favorite, uh, the character and the toy as well. Oh, one, of, one of the great figures. Yeah, who, who, who had such a huge pivotal role in this arc and this period in Joe. And then after it, it's over, he kind of vanished. Um, he never quite got the, uh, got the replay value that some of the other characters did so uh but this is sort of ripcord's year and his storyline so for people who are reading along for the first time you know i'd say pay attention to ripcord and what happens to him and what he goes through for the next oh boy for the next year at least yeah something like that year and a half and see for mine i was thinking about picking uh the twins just because i like them and i know they're not as well liked by some people on the show but i actually ended up having to settle for not settle i went with uh ripcord also I think reason. he meant settle, Brad. I'm just going to say, I think yeah. he meant settle. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> that was not a slip of the tongue. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. Who did you say? Uh, the same one that Brad said, Ripcord. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That that settling phrase we're going to use in a little bit here. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Ripcord is my real American here also, just because, yeah, this this starts... Is the beginning of one of his big arcs, I guess his big arc. And yeah, we'll see more of him in upcoming issues. Uh, then we move on to the next little segment I have. Again, I've stolen this from the, the Longbox Crusade crew because that's what I do. Uh, if you could have one page of art in this book, which page would you settle for? And this time I use settle intensively. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have a page of art that you'd settle for? And would you settle for this issue? I would probably settle for page 18. Um, that's where they're on the uh, the big rescue on the roller coaster where Flint and either Toe Jam or Xanax, I can never tell the two of them apart, are fighting. And Xanax, Xanax or, or, uh, and, and, and Toe Jam are rescuing each other. Um, it's just got some good action. And the way it's, the way it's staged, it's just a lot of uh, great movement. And it would look pretty pretty snappy on a wall. So I would happily settle for that one. And Kevin, what are you willing to settle for? I was looking at the one where uh, uh, Toe Jam, or I'm sorry, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> was on the uh, the motorcycle there and flying through the ring of fire as the tigers look on. I was looking at that one. But uh, Brad, do me a favor. Look at page four. Do we get a cameo of Snake Eyes in the top left there? Let me check here. Two, three. When they're looking at training. Okay, that's the one I choose just because Snake Eyes makes a one 
part cameo in this issue. We needed more snake eyes in this issue. So that's the one I choose. Page four. But oddly enough, he doesn't say a word. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> He's just standing there, you know, stoically while uh, Duke looks on at the training. <laughs> and like we talked about earlier, I think for the things got started, there's not a lot of great. It's not a bad book artistically wise. But unlike most of the other issues, there's not a lot of standout pages in this book. And that's what we're talking about. I'm talking about settling. And, and yeah, I, I was having a hard time myself trying to find a, a good one to choose. Uh, I ended up settling on page 16, the one where uh, the armadillo is chasing who is it? him and the ferret are fighting each other with uh, Footloose and one of the twins. It's just a decent action scene. It's not the greatest, but it, it's decent. So, and like I say, in this book, this issue here, there's not a lot of great things to choose from. So I think we go for that one. I guess the closest thing that we get to the cover is panel is page 12, where you actually see Flint jumping off the armadillo down to the track uh, um, as he's heading to uh, land on one of the, the twins. Right. And then you don't see him actually land until page 14, where he takes a swing at one of them. Yeah, those, those two panels there on bottom page 12, I'll kind of mush those together. To the cover. Yeah. So, <laughs> you got the helicopter with Armadillo and Flint jumping off. So I kind of smush those together and get the cover there. What did you guys think of the Armadillo? It was, a, I thought, as a to- toy, it was actually a, a, a neat little... Uh, neat little vehicle, even though it didn't really do much of anything. It didn't have any missiles. Removed. I think the cannons at the front kind of tilted up and and down. So it was just basically a little mini tank. So Basically, and I think that's why it only appears in this issue, <laughs> along with Footloose. Footloose took off in it and just... It's like, fine. <laughs> Larry's like, fine, we'll sell the toy, one issue only, yeah, here you go. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, it, I guess it just didn't have enough play value. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was a decent vehicle for what it was, but yeah, it wasn't... Didn't have any uh, fancy parts to it or anything it was just just a little one-man armored tank i would love for someone especially like those gi joe conventions where they have like the gi joe dioramas to like recreate famous comic book covers and this one actually would have been a cool one to do with the dragonfly carrying the armadillo and and doing something kind of fun like that that would have been really neat you know to kind of uh bring attention to this a little bit more because that that would be fun to recreate because you, you could have all the pieces you know you have one of the the twins you have the flint you know and footloose and then uh, of course the dragonfly and stuff that'd be yeah. neat and and for the scale of the armadillo and the dragonfly you could probably pull it off too and i mean i guess that's the good thing about the armadillo was it was a, it was it was a budget toy it was you know it was the it was the GI Joe vehicle you got from your aunt for your birthday, but but you, I'm not but getting you, you the dragonfly or the whale. You're going to get this little yeah, tiny tank. Yeah, but I, I don't think I don't think any kid woke up on Christmas morning going, "Oh, I hope there's a I hope there's an armadillo under the tree." <laughs> just okay. I was just looking online trying to find anything on armadillo about how much appearance it made, but there's not much on that. So yeah, which probably tells us something. But we're going to go and take a quick break. And we'll be right back to talk about the cartoon. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. 
1974, four men literally changed the face of rock and roll forever. Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, Ace Frehley, and Paul Stanley wanted to become the band they never got to see. Over the next 40 plus years, the music, the makeup, the merchandise, and the loyal fan base have propelled KISS to one of rock and roll's elite groups. With KISS heading down their end of the road tour, we thought we would start our journey. Turn it up to 10 because we love it loud. Right Between the Eyes is a podcast all about our favorite band, KISS. We will be covering all eras of KISS with the various albums, studio, live, and compilations, plus album mashups and more. We will also cover solo and band projects from all members, past and present, while also looking at the various bands that have opened for KISS as well. Not to mention all of the fun items in the KISS catalog. TV appearances, long-form videos, merchandise, comic books. Come on, the list goes on and on. Coming in late May, early June 2021 to a podcast platform near you. Follow us on Twitter at RBTE Podcast. Loud. I want to hear it loud. Right between the eyes. I want to hear it loud. It's Citizen Kane Minute, hosted by film fanatic Rob Kelly and a collection of special guests. Citizen Kane Minute will examine the greatest film of all time, five minutes at a time. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to the Fandom Podcast Network and all of the other awesome shows we have to offer. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, our weekly pop culture news podcast. Blood Kings, our Highlander podcast. Couch Potato Theater, our podcast celebrating our favorite movies. Time Warp, the Fandom Flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite pop culture topics. Enzo, the NFL podcast. Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville podcast. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our Doctor Who podcast. Lethal Mullet, a 1980s and 90s action film podcast. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast. And our newest show, Making Treks, a new Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier with host Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. You can enjoy all of these great Fandom Podcast Network shows on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Fandom Podcast Network is also on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Facebook under Fandom Podcast Network. You can also email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under Fandom Podcast Network. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Welcome back. So next up, we're going to look at G.I. Joe the cartoon. Yo, Joe! 
whenever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra the enemy. Fighting to save the day. He never gives up. He's always there. Fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against COBRA, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up, he'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe will dare. Okay, this episode we're looking at the episode entitled Cobra Soundwaves. This was written by Ted Peterson, Peterson, and first aired October the 17th, 1985. And I just took a quick little synopsis from the internet. Uh, this one is Cobra develops a powerful sound weapon and attacks a Shriek's oil supply with it in the Middle East. G.I. Joe must stop Cobra before they leak oil everywhere. So, uh, rad. Jared 1.0 now. Uh, do, you have do, do you have this? Brad, you got these notes right here? Oh, hang on. Let me get my notes here. Let me get, all right. Here we are. Ripple, ripple, ripple. You, you just there picked up any random paper and shook it, didn't you? I basically did. All my notes, all my notes are digital right now. <laughs> all my notes are on my uh, tablet right now. And as you can see, they are quite detailed. But I've been glancing. I've been kind of skipping through them just to spare you the, my long-winded blather. Um, Cobra sound waves. Yes. Well, you know, you get the good and you get the bad. And when you get them both, you get this episode. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. There's a time you got to go and show you grow. And now you know about the facts of life. The good, I think. Okay, Mr. Right? Facts of Life. Yes, thank you. I was waiting to see who would uh, who would re- who would recognize it. Uh, yeah. But the the good, the good is that I think Cobra's whole plot to destabilize this unnamed Middle Eastern country and seize a third of the world's oil supply is good. It's what terrorists would do. It takes some planning and some finesse to pull something like that off, which Cobra really doesn't have any of because instead they're messing around with giant robot crabs <laughs> and their usual nonsense. Is that more... Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, is that more usual nonsense than having yet another battle arena? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they spend less time constructing battle arenas and <laughs> arenas of sport for their, for their captives and more focusing on the actual, you know, you build the arena. This is the lesson is you build the arena of sport after you've conquered the world. Then you can put them in every city. You can put them in every small town and every Friday night. It's arena of sport. You know, Cobra Commander's contractors are like, uh, okay, so you want the throne, you want the uh, outside to have a snake shape. Are we doing another arena of death? Yes, I want another <laughs> arena of death! Must try to get Duke again! Or they had like a whole field, like the abandoned uh, fields of old aircraft out in the desert. It's just, you know, Cobra paraphernalia. They just put it, in, put it in an order and slap it on the truck and send it on out. Make sure you get payment on delivery because it's not coming back in one piece. Destro's gonna bring me another super weapon I must destroy! <laughs> but, you know, 
as an action episode, there's a lot of action in this one to its credit. There's lots of fighting. There's lots of chasing. There's lots of punching. Things Properly explode. looking Crimson Guard as well. Yes, proper looking Crimson Guardsman. And it has a momentum and it never really slows down or stops to think, thankfully. And I'm watching it this morning going, okay, this is not that bad, actually, because I watched it on Tubi. Um, on television in my pajamas with a bowl of cereal in front of me, which is the way these shows are meant to be watched. (laughs) But I was fine with it until the one moment, and I think you all know what I'm going to be referring to. It's the moment that Airborne reveals he possesses the power of ESP. And (laughs) no word of a lie, I think I almost choked on a Cheerio at that moment, because ESP is such a weird thing that was so astonishingly popular in the cartoons and the movies of the late seventies and the early eighties. And it just like quicksand was quicksand. Yeah. And magic carpets and ESP and it even features in my favorite bad movie, which is the black hole. Where oh, a, I love that movie where a, a character is told quick, use your ESP, which she does just the once and it never comes back into play. And here airborne reveals he's got a headache and when it clears, he knows that Cobra has kidnapped the Prince because ESP never lies and airborne's esp powers never to my knowledge ever came into play ever again but here it reads like they just needed some quick shorthand to move the story along and back in my you know my in my younger years as i was starting out as a writer there was the term it was coined about psychic characters basically anytime a character in a movie or on tv seemed to have insider knowledge that they could have only known by sitting in the theater watching the movie they were starring in or they're either psychic or they have a copy of the script hidden away that they're referring to so airborne is a literal psychic character in this episode which is kind of odd because there's probably a million ways they could have gotten this information across without quick make make one of the characters a psychic make give him ESP. So it just seems a little weird. But this got to an interesting larger point because in this episode featuring ESP and then issue 37, which we just reviewed, also features ESP. Is this coincidence or is it ESP? Actually, real quick, Brad, this isn't the first time it's mentioned. Actually, no. A couple issues, a couple issues, a couple episodes ago, they had his brother was a psychic. The Cobra Command, the Cobra had stolen a bunch of people with different powers or whatever. And then mentioned that him and his brother had a psychic connection. Oh, so they were planning it all along. And that one was written by. So, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. There's now two other brothers that have a psychic connection, is what you're saying? Not as strong as the twins, but yes. <laughs> I'm going back to look at it real quick to see what we're talking. But yes, it was just a couple of episodes ago, Operation Mind Menace, uh, two episodes ago. It was Operation Mind Menace, then the battle for the train of gold, and then this one. And yeah, one of them was Airborne's telekinetic, his little brother had telekinetics. And I think they made mention that they've got some sort of link. So this actually isn't out there. They actually did kind of set this up previously. Uh, and they were written by different different writers also. That one was written by uh, Operation Mind Menace, was written by Martin Pascoe, and this one, as I said, was written by Ted Pedersen. So it wasn't even the same writer following up on... But they must have had lunch together, so... Yeah. No, no, I, I think what it means is the, 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 the series Bible that every writer is handed. It's probably specifically made mention that Airborne has, in his family, all of ESP. <laughs> I guess. They, they thought that would help them somewhere. 
down the road. So they make sure they know he has ESP in case they write themselves into a corner and they have to get out and have airborne go, oh, wait a minute. They set it up and now they use it. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it ever comes up again. Anyway, carry on, Brad. <laughs> oh, I think that was about all I had to say. The, the ESP thing really kind of threw me. <laughs> I didn't quite, I was not expecting that. I guess I missed the mind in this episode. So uh, I was not prepared for Airborne's uh, younger brother to carry on the ESP trade. Although it was, was Airborne's, um, was Airborne's brother, Air, Airborne's name spelled backwards? <laughs> Tremor if they ever told him what his name was. Sure they did, but it wasn't airborne backwards. I would have remembered that. Is Kevin writing it backwards to see what it's going to be? Shush, I'm writing it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it would be Enrobria. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure his brother's name wasn't Enrobia, but... It should have been. <laughs> oh, it should have cut out. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. In fact, as we're talking, I'm going elsewhere on the internet to see what his brother's name was. Well, uh, I just happened to have uh, the file card brought up for Airborne in case you guys want to hear it. Uh, his real name is Franklin Talltree, and uh, his birthplace was a Navajo reservation in Arizona. Uh, airborne infantryman, helicopter gunship gunner. Airborne's parents are oil-rich Navajos who indulge their eldest son with skydiving lessons. Talltree also studied law and passed the Arizona State Bar exams. Joined the Army and opted for airborne training commitment. Quote, I'd rather jump out of an airplane than write legal briefs. Graduated top of his class from Airborne School, Fort Benning. Qualified expert, Hughes helicopter chain gun, M16, M60, and the M1911A auto pistol. And a little quote at the bottom says, Airborne jokes around and gets loose, but he's serious too. Dead serious. You look at him and sometimes he's looking right through you. Must be that Indian in him. The Navajos call it, quote, the far-seeing look. Spooky. That's what it says. <laughs> so the file card was kind of setting it up also kind of a little bit without really committing to it. <laughs> <laughs> and real quick, his brother's name was Tommy. What's Tommy spelled backwards? <laughs> I like Enrobia better. <laughs> A missed opportunity. Anyways, Kevin, <laughs> uh, I lost what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? This episode actually has a special place in my heart because there was a time that I would record these G.I. Joe episodes onto a little tape deck. You know, those ones that had a little handle that popped out, mm -hmm. uh, had a little counter on them and a little like uh, air... Um, headphone jack in them as well and i would put it next to the tv and i would hit record when it came on live and when the commercials came on i would pause it and then unpause it when the show came on and this was one of the episodes that i had recorded and i would would listen to in my sony walkman basically when um i would uh you know go out bike riding bmx skateboarding what have you and then tell people i was listening to punk music instead um 
so that's what I remember because I remember the Cobra sound waves and uh, um, I, I just remember it being a fun episode to listen to. Um, this episode gets a, um, a bonus point for having a major blood in, uh, appearance and wild weasel and the rattlers. Um, has it ever been discussed that the laser sounds coming out of the weapons and the uh, um, the ships and or the planes or what have you sound like the same sampled laser sounds the Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers would use? No, I don't think it's been brought up yet. Listen to it again. Just saying. I think uh, some sampled uh, sounds were used there. Like I mentioned earlier, I love the Cobra Desert Lair. I'm wondering, too, what contractor this Destro used to make his super weapons. I know that he's a weapons manufacturer, but um, I just wonder when he asked his you know minions if they roll their eyes when here's another big gun for Cobra Commander to ruin. The Ultra Shockwave gun. I thought it was a funny scene where the Cobra Claws the kind of like little rocket uh, winged backpacks that the Cobras come in and they're battling a roadblock gung ho and ace. I love the fact that one of them roadblock just outmaneuvers one of them on foot and they crash. <laughs> and then uh gung ho throws sand in the eyes of another one. And then ace does a nice maneuver where he leaps over and he grabs the leg of one. So I thought those were uh, very uh, genius ways to uh, take out um, the Cobra claws. Um, did anyone notice that when uh, the uh, the Joes were captured in the battle arena and it just seems like that the typical trope of the main villain being Cobra Commander or a Bond villain would uh, capture them and then they would walk out of the room before they actually die, you know, and just leave it to whatever device it is to kill them. But did you notice the cool little Cobra Commander phone that he has when he gets the call to leave <laughs> I, I like that phone i'm just gonna say a uh, missed opportunity for a working phone toy just gonna say <laughs> uh, we touched on the uh, cobra commander death match arena gotta have one of those in every cobra lair i just i find that very humorous but i love it um there's always, of course, underground caverns. I like the use of this. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, did you guys know that uh, the voice of Optimus Prime, Peter Cullen, does the voice for Airborne? When I heard Airborne's voice, I'm like, that sounds really familiar. I looked it up. It's Peter Cullen. Well, that kind of answers a question on one of mine I had. When Airborne shows up, when he comes around the corner, he's, uh, when he tells that the uh, Flint, I'm sorry, he's telling Flint that the three Joes are MIA. When he comes in the room, he sounds a little bit like uh, John Wayne. Yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah. has a John Wayne voice. Yeah, remember when the Joes are captured by uh, the uh, the Cobras and they're flying away? The Joes are basically being dragged in the air by a net. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be not only frightening but like insanely scary. <laughs> Just imagine being in a net and being dragged in the air by it. Seriously, by a jet. Let's <laughs> go. Being dragged at high speeds by the net. Yeah, that's got to be a little. <laughs> Especially when the plane hit Mach 1, then you'd really feel it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that the ace and the sky striker, striker says the diversion, but the rest of the Joes coming on the gliders, which aren't affected by the uh, ultrasonic gun fail. <laughs> but of course, uh, the, the uh, gun falls over the edge because the cover commander maneuvers it incorrectly, but he survives. Uh, and I just like at the end, the Joes are treated to a banquet, but you know. It's not by the chic. Roadblock's got to cook, and uh, Wild Bill's got to share his hot links. That's what I got. Uh, we're going to do my notes and talk about a little bit. 
but I'll mention him again. Uh, I love I love Ace in his card metaphors slash puns. Every time he's trying to make another metaphor pun about playing cards, because that's what you do. Oh, I, I get it now. It's because Ace is a card. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to turn around going home now. <laughs> I do like the Snakehead Mountain that Cobra has there. It's very nice. I don't know if they found that cave or if that is built by one of their, their Cobra contractors. But I do love that. That we need a Cobra contractor show. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hey, I found a great place for a lair. We just, it's got underground caverns, you know, and I think there's a big enough area for an arena because you know Cobra Commander's going to ask for it. But is it shaped like a snake? Oh. It's shaped like a snake. <laughs> they can't work on us. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and again, you guys made the comment already that Cobra Commander loves his arenas. Uh, and that Cobra cell phone, that was, that was a quick call he took. Yeah, I do love how when Cobra Commander finished the call, he set the phone down, upside down, he had to readjust it. I mean, I could see that being like in a, uh, a live action show, but for a cartoon, I think that's just a nice little touch, setting the phone down upside down and having to readjust it real quick. I don't know if you guys caught that. I enjoyed that. Back into the arena, the Joes are throwing stones and building fires out of wood. Every time we look in that arena, it's empty except for the three Joes. Where is all that stuff that they're building the fire with? And where's all that coming from? Does anyone know? Inquiring minds want to know. I want to know. Uh, they got a lighter? I don't know. Where they searched? I don't know. It's, it's, kinda... kind of... it's just the three of them in an empty pit. I'm sure they had enough time to rub two sticks together to create fire, right? But where'd the sticks come from? <laughs> How would that rocks they were throwing? Every time you showed the arena, it was empty. <laughs> and uh, what is that crab made out of? They wrote a little blow hole through like that door looked like it was a thick a foot thick and they will blow a hole in it but they couldn't touch the crab I, I don't know what the metal they're using but that was some damn good metal vibranium maybe i don't know <laughs> i was gonna say long universe but no at the time that would have been long universe. Uh, yeah i do love when the joes are escaping cobra commander's blaming the closest crimson guardsmen to him this is your fault. why are you letting them escape <laughs> <laughs> And as the Joes are running down that cavern, the Cobras are watching them on a monitor. But the, the camera apparently is a floating invisible camera right in front of them because it's falling along with them as they're running down that hall. <laughs> and another question, and I'm not that knowledgeable about these things, the river that's under the tunnel. If the river is that far down, would the ground still be that wet where they're at that they could fill the moisture from the water? where they blew a hole in the, in the ground, they fell quite a distance, it looked like, into the water. That's one thing that kind of didn't sit right with me either. I know it's a cartoon, but... <laughs> there are some bridges that are too far, even for G.I. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> and when Scarlet was in the, the, the jets, or the helicopter, oh, there's a jet. She was resting... No, the helicopter, I got jumping. She was, she was resting on her crossbow. Yeah, I can't be there on her back. <laughs> cross on her back. Man, that, that can't be comfortable on her. And I've got a note here about psychic ability. You mentioned episode 35 of this show. And then my last note is here is help me. I don't need anyone's assistance. <laughs> like, well, wait a minute. Cobra Commander's going from help me to I don't need anyone's assistance. All right. Try it again, buddy. Anyways, those are my thoughts on the episode. Overall, I say it wasn't one of the best I've seen, but it was an enjoyable episode for what it was. And I think that's going to go for that stuff. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. Unless you guys have any other comments on the cartoon, uh, Brad? I'm still, I'm still trying to get my head around ESP. 
You're not supposed to get your head around ESP. ESP is supposed to get around you. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> any, any further thoughts, Kevin? Uh, you know, like I said, this is, I just remember enjoying this because I used to listen to it. Like you guys said before, we always, uh, we always poke fun of it, but we poke fun of it because we love it. Amen. Agreed. Agreed. It all comes from a place of love and affection for this cartoon. And for Except this, ESP. Uh, you know, uh, ESP is not the most egregious thing that's happened in this show to make you go, what? But uh, it's it's certainly the type of thing that you would expect to see in G.I. Joe. So I probably should not have been that surprised. It just seemed to <laughs> really. What? What's funny, though, is that uh, is it um, Duke or someone says, oh, it's that ESP thing. It's in his file card or it's in his. Yeah. And then uh, he, he actually says that. Yeah. And I, I, that's when I was like, oh, I got to look on what it actually says. And it doesn't say on the toy file card. <laughs> well, then when when. uh Airborne tells them that, you know, the Joes are in trouble, they've been captured, whatever. Or that it was a Sheik. The Sheik was being captured. So it's like, you better be right. What do you mean? I don't quite understand that line. Well, you better be right. <laughs> or what? Wrong. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was a decent enough card episode. It wasn't the greatest. By all means, it wasn't the worst, even with ESP. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Oh, adolescents this generation have no respect and are a far cry from my sweet Jane Eyre and her friend Helen Burns. Why, just this afternoon I was Stella. walking across and, and you know what? Men too. Well, uh, uh, Stella. Men like the tragic Mr. Rochester and teachers, pa, they're all like the villainous Mr. Brocklehurst. Hey, Stella! Uh, yes, Thomas? As much as I enjoy, um, indulging your insanity, uh, we have a promo to record. Oh dear, and what might that be? That is you and I telling everyone that we have a brand new podcast out there. It's called Required Reading with Tom and Stella. Once a month, we will take a look at a single work of literature, discuss it, analyze it, and determine if it's worth its place in the canon. Oh dear, that sounds delightful. Oh, I'm sure it will be. And you can find us on the Two True Freaks Network, which is at twotruefreaks.com. Oh yes, required reading with with Tom and... Why is it Tom and Stella? Why can't it be Stella and Tom? It rolls off the tongue better? Okay. Well, that was easy. So... Required reading with Tom and Stella at twotruefreaks.com. Thanks for contributing to the promo there. You did a great job. Oh, you are so welcome. You are receiving a transmission from The Rod Pod. Upload pending. 
Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. The Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.lipson.com, at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The year is 1994, or 1944, or maybe 2994? Time is under threat, and history is falling apart. Who will survive this crisis, and how will history be changed for those that do? Zero Hour Strikes takes you back to that DC Comics crossover and covers the entire story, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in, as the DC Universe goes down to zero. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes, Zero Hour Strikes, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Legion. While the guys are on their break, we're going to go ahead and go with Postbox the Pit. Uh, first up, first up, first up, we're going to mention the Patreon.com people. Uh, there's only one right now. His name is Cosplay Dad. Uh, due to me forgetting things and not thinking about checking Patreon, uh, he's been a member for a couple months, but I haven't noticed that. So I want to thank you very much, Cosplay Dad, for uh, joining Patreon. Uh, he was commenting on our Star Bright Project show, but. Again, I want to give him some special thanks. Uh, moving on from there. Oh, and again, if I don't mention your name as I'm reading through this, uh, don't take it personally. I may have just overlooked it. So just shoot me an email and let me know if I missed your name. I'll get you next time. So let's go and take a look at the Facebook like, shares, and comments. Uh, Bart Walker, Billy Peast, Brian Lydiard, Carl Shit, Chris Sheenan, Clinton Robinson, David A. Myers, David Benavides, Derek Holder, Dylan Jones, Eric Fedler, Frank Castle. He's been posting a lot of links lately. Thanks, Frank. Frederick Cody, Gavin Regenart, Giles Gifford, Hoover Jeremiah, Jeff Rich, Jeffrey Anderson, Jim Beard, John Burns, or Bryans. I guess it's John Bryans. Sorry about that, John. <laughs> Justin Francoeur, Ken Tomlin. Mandan Star, Marcelio Paiva, Marcus Aurelius Demos Maximus, some guy named Mark Acostas, I'm sorry, Acosta, Marshall Wood, Matt Bray, Michael Horsley, Michael Karnwaka, 
Michael Nevins, Norbert Tank, Nunes Santos, Orlando Willie, or is that Wiley? I think it's Wiley. Choir Suf, Ray Halley, Richard Cathcart, Richard Cox, Richard Field, Rob Steven, Stephen, Stephen Malik, Toy Guy Chad, and Ulysses Lopez. And again, if I if I messed up anyone's name, I deeply apologize. I, I'm terrible at names, so if I mispronounce it, go ahead and send me the correct spelling and I or correct uh, pronunciation, and I'll try to do better in the future. Also, there's a comment uh, from Marcus Aurelius Desmos Maximus. He said, "Have great, again having a great time with the comic and television reviews on GI Joe, a Royal American headcast." I recently went back to the beginning and now finishing up on episode 17, having a blast. And love the interviews of Buzz Dixon, man. Some really great material there. Well, thank you very much, Marcus. I appreciate the feedback. It's always appreciated. But let me see real quick. So that's all the comments we had on Facebook and all the... Uh, again, there was a lot of people posting uh, pictures and other things. But as far as comments, that's the only thing really to point out from Facebook. So again, if you guys, and I haven't been doing anything on Twitter recently, I need to reset that back up on my computer. I got a new computer and it looks like I never did, never, never did get that set back up. So I need to get back into Twitter. So again, definitely check us out, guys. I'll talk more at the end of this show where you can find me at, you know, the usual locations. And also, if you're enjoying the show, head over to either Apple podcast or whatever they're calling it nowadays or wherever your podcatcher is at and leave me a review and especially if you're outside of the United States uh, shoot me a quick email and let me know if you did because I've got to switch countries and all that with Apple podcast and if I miss one of the other podcasters I'm on let me know if you left me a review over there and I can take take a look at it also I'm chatting with you guys I'm going to go through and read the top contributors for the Facebook page this is facebook.com slash groups slash G.I. Joe. Uh, these are the top 10 contributors for the previous month. Again, I normally do this episode the second week of the month due to delays. I'm just now getting it out the end of the month. But these are the top contributors for the month of May. Uh, Frank Castle is our number one contributor. Thanks, Frank. You've been hosting a lot. And I appreciate it. Uh, he's had 18 posts, it looks like. Uh, next would be Richard L. Cox with 15 posts. Orlando Wiley, Willie Wiley, at 11 posts. Gills Gifford is six. Ken Tomlin is two. And then, as far as other likes and comments and what have you, following that number six is Marcus Aurelius Desmos Maximus. Then there's Toy Guy Chad at number seven. Larry Frazier is eight. Hoover Jeremiah is at nine, and. This new guy, Mark Acosta, is number 10. And speaking of Mark Acosta, since it looks like uh, Hal Jordan is currently MIA, I'm going to go ahead and give a, a field promotion to Mr. Mark Acosta. He is going to be our new Sergeant Master. So it's Sergeant Master Mark Acosta, and he's going to be in charge of getting the new recruits set up and settled in and giving them missions. So... Uh, congratulations, Mark Acosta. Thank you for joining up, and thank you for everything, sir. And finally, before the guys arrive back from their break, over on the Facebook group 
once again, I uh, here about a month or so ago, I mentioned that, you know, we're getting close to 500 members. And once we reached 500 members, I was going to do a special giveaway or something. I was going to do it on the, the live cast we did the other day when I recorded this episode. But since we didn't have anyone showing up for that, I decided to go ahead and do it during the actual episode here. So I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the magic computer I stole from, I mean, I borrowed from the Longbox Crusade. And I'm going to have it randomly pick out one of the members of the Facebook group. And they're going to win a prize. So. And it looks like the winner is Ken Tomlin. Congratulations, Ken. And I'm going to be sending you the dual disc of, or discs, the dual feature of G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra and retaliation. I hope you enjoy those because that's what I'm sending you. Uh, plus, maybe another goodie or two in there. We'll see. But, anyways, that is the prize I offered to give away for the 500 members. Since we've reached that number, we're now currently at uh, looking at the Facebook group. We're at 558 members. Uh, 10 of those aren't really active, it looks like. So, it's actually technically 440. I'm sorry, 548. I like being technical and correct when I make these announcements. Uh, again, if you want to join up, go over to facebook.com slash groups slash G.I. Joe and join us up. And uh, we'll see you over there. Ken, send me your information and I can get your DVD out to you. Again, thank you very much. And I want to thank every one of you guys that's a member of the group, everyone that, that joins in. Uh, and... I've been pre-sharing a lot of links from John Bryan's, from his uh, his entire action. What is it? The uh, his action my stuff and all the other Anthro Universe stuff. Uh, he's posted some stuff for PandaCon, and he's posted some other stuff for. I'm just looking through here real quick. I posted some stuff for the. Uh, what is that? The Enguard animated series he's working on? Along with other stuff. So definitely check out our page. Uh, leave a comment. Feel free to share your G.I. Joe origin stories, pictures, wherever you want over there. But I think that's going to do it for the post box pit this time. Uh, be watching the Facebook group and also on the, the website, which is gijoe.headcast.com network.com I'm working on getting that back up and running properly uh, over there I will be announcing and also on the Facebook page I'll be announcing the next time we do a, uh, a live stream of the next episode so if you want to join us live as we record the episode and, and watch the magic happen uh, feel free to join us but that's going to do it for right now and here comes the guys back from their break so, gentlemen, before we let you go, I've got one final segment I'm going to do here. This is Soldier of the Month. So the Soldier of the Month is someone that I feel deserves special recognition, someone that either has done something for the show or sent me something personal or whatever. Uh, and this month here, I am going to give the Soldier of the Month to Kevin Reitzel. Uh, Kevin, you made, we were talking on Facebook last night, and you made the comment about Posted to the Facebook group about having comment people comment on the cartoon 
in on the issue and to read them on the air. Didn't have very many people take me up on that, but uh, that was a good idea. So I, I appreciate your your help in making the show a better show. Oh, glad I could help. That was one of the things we started doing uh, is I would post something that we would talk about on an upcoming podcast, uh, whatever show we're, you know, we're doing. And uh, it's nice to get the uh, people to chime in, the fans and friends to chime in with their responses. Uh, and then you give them a shout out on the show and it makes them invested in listening to the show. So, yeah. Well, thank you for that suggestion. And that is why, Kevin Reitzel, you are our Soldier of the Month. To our Soldier of the Month. Us here at the G.I. Joe, Royal American Ed cast team, we salute you. Thanks, man. Yay. I've got the parking spot out for a little more crowd right now. My, my son, my middle son and his girlfriend moved in for a while. so I, I was going to say Brad could show more enthusiasm, but I think that's just <laughs> the way Brad shows enthusiasm. Yay. <laughs> that is that is enthusiasm on my part. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it, Chef. And I appreciate everything you guys do for the show. Uh, speaking of which, if uh, anyone wants to hear from you guys, Kevin, you were talking about you, how you do on your show. Tell them about your show. Uh, I am the uh, co-founder of the Fandom Podcast Network, and our master feed is uh, fpnet.podbean.com. And we have several shows on the network, uh, Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, Highlander, a show that I host. And uh, we also have uh, a bunch of others on there. But our newest show that we're very proud of is called uh, The True Believers, an MCU podcast, where we discuss all of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe happenings. Uh, and lately, of course, We've been covering WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we will continue to cover all the new shows that release, including Loki coming up, the movies. We're also going to go back and touch on some of the uh, other movies and uh, television series. Uh, but one of the things we like to do is take a deep dive and how they connect to the comics as well and how they're using the comics to uh, basically uh, lay the groundwork for this wonderful world of the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe that has been uh, done very, very well. So uh, make sure you check us out. Um, we're also on Facebook, Fandom Podcast Network. We also have a Facebook group for the True Believers. Make sure you check that out. We're on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Fandom Podcast Network. And also you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore Phoenix. Very good. And, uh, Brad, do you have anything you want to pimp or they want to know how to find you? you want to find <laughs> I think you have to send a raven to find him. <laughs> yes. You have to light the beacons. You have to light the beacons and wait for the uh, the chain to, to reach me. Uh, that's not true. I'm very easy to find. If you Google my name, the first thing that pops up is my website, bradabraham.com, which is where you go for all your bradabraham.needs. And next month, I will be launching a newsletter, uh, which will probably run about quarterly. Uh, and it'll just be updates as what I what I've been up to and where I've been the last little while, because I've been keeping my head down. And uh, as a as a special gift, it's going to include the original short story "Spite the Devil," which uh, continues the story begun in my novel "Magicians Impossible," which is available in fine bookstores everywhere. So if you want to know what happens next in that amazing novel, subscribe to the newsletter and you'll get a free story. I don't think I said this episode. Uh, if you haven't read "Magicians Impossible" yet. Go find it. I yeah, you it. should read it. You I should read it. It makes a great gift for you and 20 of your closest friends. <laughs> yes, buy many copies. And yes, it's a great story. And I'm waiting for more. So let's sign up for your newsletter. And before I fit my stuff real quick, uh, we were asking earlier about Jared and about Flexograph. We have an artist that knows about it. 
So I sent Jared a, uh, a message and I asked him if you flexograph printing. Do you know what it is? His answer is going to Google graph flexograph now. Well, we'll just wonder as an artist make do something about it. I've got nothing. I'm about to read the article. I'm sorry. I will thank you, sir. And he's like, someday I'll be useful. I swear it. <laughs> so this is the last one from Jared since he can't even do an artist question for us at this point. Uh, there goes that. But uh, after I share real quick that even if Jared was here, Kevin, he would disappoint you. <laughs> Much like his wife says about him. Well, <laughs> I'm Joe. Shots fired. The next episode, Jared's on. It's going to be interesting. Rare <laughs> saucer middle three. <laughs> but no, and for more on me, I've got my entire Headcast Network. I've got my website, headcastnetwork.com. I've got my Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash headcast network and i've also got one for this show which is facebook.com slash groups slash gi joe go over there and join us on the gi joe facebook group and leave a message uh, say hi comments i'll be posting whatever i need to on there and also my head speaks group find this and my other shows on most podcatchers and i've gone over my shows every month i'm gonna skip it this time i've got eight seven eight shows out there so you look on the internet, you'll find me. But uh, I guess that's going to do it for this evening. Once again, gentlemen, I wish to thank you very much for joining me, taking time out of your Saturday evening to talk to G.I. Joe with this old man. And uh, I guess I'll do it until next month. Until then, remember, knowing is half the battle. Yo, Yo Joe! Joe. Walk away slowly. He tried to bite me. Never try to pet an animal you don't know. He may be lost, sick, or scared. You mean he might be dangerous. That's right. If we don't know, we leave him alone. And we don't get bit. Now I know. And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, is available monthly on iTunes, Stitcher, and at headspeaks.com. All characters and stories are owned and trademarked by the respective owners. We claim no ownership other than our opinions. All audio and images are used for entertainment purposes and falls under fair use. We make no money from this headcast. For more of the monthly G.I. Joe, check out the IDW series. For the stories we're covering, look for the comics and trade paperbacks. Let us know what you think. Send us an email letting us know your thoughts. Joe's dismissed. <laughs>